This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. I am just now, within the last year maybe, learning to say, and I think I want to throw up just even thinking about saying this, but that that hurt my feelings you know what I mean that sounds so icky yes, like I want to throw up just true, saying that right now. I, know. <laughs> I want to hide oh. under a rock right now <laughs> but I'm learning and I only say that to like my husband and my sisters maybe you know yeah. and it's very hard for me to get those words out my seven means that I won't say it I make a joke <laughs> if you'd like to support us by donating to our podcast At the end of every episode's show notes, there's a link. If you click that, it'll take you right to our donation page. So please consider doing that, and thanks again. All right, so my name is Stacy, and I am originally from Georgia. My husband and I um, and our five kids live in Florida now. We've lived here for almost five years. I have kids ages nine to one, almost two, so we had... A lot going on in a few short years. Moving, (laughs) career changes, adopting internationally, you know, you name it. My husband, I should also mention, is a three. So we're both Mm. aggressive types. (laughs) We can't sit still very long juggling everything. And it's funny today, I was telling him how much caffeine I've had and, you know, how tired I was just after the day. And he said, yeah, it's almost like you're human. You got to remember that sometimes. (laughs) Briefly. Briefly. Right? I'm like, oh, what? No, I don't have time for that. Okay. I actually baffled someone the other day when I said, I just don't get tired. I really, really don't. It's so rare that my body feels tired during the day. And she couldn't wrap her head around it. Well, it's like you get to the end of the day, or for me anyway, I get to the end of the day and I'm like, oh man, I'm exhausted. I didn't realize that all day. (laughs) I know. It's quite the gift, I have to say. It's one of my favorite things. It is. And I I can't nap. I've tried. Oh, same. Same, same. It's it's impossible. I'm going to do a poll. I'm going to do a poll. I'll ask Gates if they're good nappers because I have a feeling we're not. Yeah, I bet we're not. There's just too much to be done. Oh, agreed. Yeah. And the list that is inside me won't leave me alone. So. Exactly. I, and I've, I've learned that if I'm going to bed and I know there's like a big day or going on a trip the next day, because, you know, packing for a big family or whatever, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. And there's oh, yeah. a hundred lists. But if there's something on my mind that I can't get off my mind, I've got to write it down before yeah, I go yeah. to Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm a I'll list just... person for yes. sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I really like just putting things out of mind. So if I can just dump it somewhere, I'm good. Exactly. How did your um, adoption story kind of come to be? So my husband and I, we both, um, before we even started dating, we knew um, that we both wanted to adopt. I had mm-hmm. seen the impact from um, a former boss of mine who had adopted internationally. So when you adopt, you you finally, I think, start to grasp how natural and fully you can love a critter that didn't come from your womb. There's something really important about that. People always say, well, how does it affect your other kids? And we didn't do it with birth order. You know, all the all the books, everything. Yeah, yeah. Keep your birth order. We didn't. People are just so afraid to bring someone into your inner circle for how it will affect your biological children. Yep. I hear and, it all the time. Yes. <laughs> I've come across many of us who do it because we're not afraid of the mess. Well, and it, it is messy. You have to embrace it. Yeah. You yeah. have to embrace it. No, we're not at all afraid. And we have all the, the depth of love to be able to give out love differently, depending on what each kid needs. And so how, how many years now have you had? Um, almost six, six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Yep. Yeah. So you're, you're deep in it. When you have children from trauma, it flushes out in different ways sure. over time and as they mature and grow. So it's constantly keeping me on my knees at a different level than parenting my biological children who have the attachment, who have been nurtured since before day one, since they were in the womb. My husband and I always say she is our mystery. It's a beautiful thing, but she's our mystery. Definitely. Definitely. I was introduced to the Enneagram almost five years ago. So about when we moved to Florida and I was reading through, I took a test and I don't even remember what the test said, maybe a two, which, you know. Okay. Are you a social aid? Yes, I that, am. That explains yes. it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. Erin was um, so sure she was a two. And I've learned that my tri-type superpower is I can imprint on how people feel. And I can pick you guys out so quick because of the vibe I get. So I knew she was an eight. She's like, I'm a two. I'm like, that's a lie. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, yeah, yeah it's so a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. And you know, it, being a social eight, it t- I read the the motivation and you know the core fear and the core longing, and that all resonated. But every description I read. I'm not a bully. I'm not afraid of confrontation. I love a good debate. Like strength is kind of just within me. Like I've always just had a confidence and a strength about me, but I've never been one to like throw that around or just be a jerk, you know, for the sake of being a jerk. And so that's how a lot of descriptions described eights. And so Mm -hmm. I was like a little confused. And I'm a big like into all kind of personality stuff. So ever since I was little, you know, I grew up in Southern Baptist churches where we were learning about choleric, melancholy, sanguine. Is that a denominational thing? I guess. I don't know. Because I feel like it's like, you know, a Sunday night kind of thing when you're learning about that. But um, Uh, see, I'm used to like at the angle that I wish I'd had more of because I'm late to the game is spiritual gifts. And this stuff ties in. It ties in very deeply. Mm -hmm. So like I've since learned that the on-ramp to get to the fact that I'm, it turns out I have the prophetic gift is mm-hmm. Enneagram. So I started with Enneagram, started to realize how my brain works. And then out of that came this understanding of that's why I'm always lonely. And that's why I always feel like I'm calling stuff out. And and it's it actually gave compassion to myself for oh, like yes. all the church trauma that happened. And I was yes. blaming other people. But the truth is like, if you read the Bible, prophets are lonely, like it's just how it works. And you have to get super tight with God or you, you're not going to make it. <laughs> you're not. And my husband told me the other day, he said, I have a lot of friends, but it takes a lot to get, you know, a, a deep friendship where I feel, feel comfortable really letting my walls down. And he said mm-hmm. that the reason I don't have many like close, close friends is a handful. And, you know, my sisters and my mom and he and, you know, maybe a few more other people is because I am a truth teller mm-hmm. and people don't like to hear that. And that's yeah. okay. That's okay that they're not ready for that yet. But it, that also means that I can be lonelier and I probably will be lonelier in my friendships. Yeah. So I've interviewed three of you guys now. Mm-hmm. Um, relationally, there's always there's a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. And so two out of the three said their best friends are boys. And it's because all of the hurt that comes up in females when you bring that truth telling and that bluntness and all the things we bring, they typically don't handle it well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You have to, and it's an art. You have to learn, you know, how to deliver in a way that's not compromising the truth, but Mm -hmm. also with grace and love. Right. 
so anyway, I got kind of frustrated with the Enneagram for a while. Um, it was just too, it was in the time when it was very meme culture, you know, the whole, it, very reductionistic to the whole Enneagram, as I would later learn. And so I actually started becoming mentored by this older lady at my church. And she just kind of took me under her wing and started going through the inner healing process with me. I don't know if you're familiar with inner healing prayer. We have an episode locked and loaded. But it's, <gasps> it's, yes, you're going to like it. Oh it's, my gosh. Um, I was going to say that's a whole other episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. And she, it just doesn't fit in this season. So we kind yeah. of stored it away. But um, oh, I did. okay. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. She offered to take Aaron and I through it. And we were both like, no, we're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you, it is the most uncomfortable squirming oh, thing. Oh, I don't like eight. it. No. I don't like it. <laughs> even if you have a four in your tri-type, like, because I don't, but it even the, like any of the feelings, she's just like, so how does that make you feel? I'm like, right. I, I don't know. I can't access that. I don't yes. <laughs> That is a tri-type feature, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, and you know, with the three in me, I'm like that. I don't know. I, I push it down even more. Yeah. <laughs> even She's like, I know that's what you know, or that's what yes. you're supposed to do. But what, how did, like, what does little girl Stacy, how did she feel in that moment? And it right. just, Oh my gosh. Oh, it, it, but yeah. it had brought it has brought so much healing. And that goes that. back to my story where these ruts I've been getting in and these, you know, deep rooted issues in my heart were because from a young age, like I can remember a dream I had when I was two years old. And my mom remembers me telling her at that age now where I did not trust my parents to take care of my little brother. And I, you know, went in and did it myself. And I mm. just remember that. And, and there are certain instances growing up, you know, I'm, I'm the second oldest of six. I'm the oldest girl, which <laughs> my husband pointed out that I always say that. And I'm like, I don't know why. It's probably just because I feel like I'm the oldest because I'm the oldest girl. Because my functionally, that's probably how it ends up being. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. And so it was. It was a power struggle with my brother and me growing up. Just certain things, you know. When I was growing up in the Southern Baptist world, where it was homeschooled, women were. The nurturers, not the strong, powerful. They ones. were twos. Yes, I know. exactly. And I yeah. think that's a lot of you know where my threeness comes in because I'm not sure where I got this along the way, and I don't know if anybody actually told me this, but it's what I perceived growing up was that almost like other people's salvation hinges on the way I behave. Well, I'll give you some insight because I just interviewed another one of you this morning. Okay. And what she figures is happening with that because she's a softer. Okay. So I don't know if you heard Yentl's episode, the 846. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that tritype, just by virtue of not having the three, but having the four, mm -hmm. means that all the reactivity that you also have hers she can't help it she has to externalize it so mm -hmm. it like blurts out in a way that is almost out of control like you know depending on how much work you've done on it and this this girl this morning she reflected on how the three inherently gives this a purview of the whole group it's like you're always holding the whole group and you're always you can't help it but you can sense what the group values and uh, what they need and so part of you turns like a sunflower towards that mm. even as an eight even as an eight and you're not a three and so you're not mirroring per se but it would tamp down your aggression and harder edge a little yeah. because it's just so a part of you no I see that and I see that coming out in me as um, I do have that three in me 
But if it's important enough for me to say, I will find a way to say it. And that's why. It's not a blurt, though. I bet right, you, you actually exactly. you I can think read it through. It. Yes. And you probably mm-hmm. know how to present it to the group. Like, well, and in my sixness, I look at all sides. Yeah. You know, I see yeah. that um, from all angles. So it gives you yeah. like just a more adaptability in a group than yes. an eight, and eight four, six. And that's one. why it was hard at first to identify with the eight descriptions. Sure. Meanwhile, look how many types of us there are. Right? Oh my gosh. I love this series. It's that you're so important. It's, I'm listening to some of these and thinking I am so different. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I'm liking that, but not here. And it's, it's just all over. I love Yeah. That. Yeah. And yet at the same time, they're eights and I feel it, even though they're so different. Yes. I think it comes, I think, was it you that said it's like a a stone, like we're an yes. anchor. Yes. And it's this, like you can sense it in other people. And I can also sense it in how it's not in people who yes. say. <laughs> Here's what we've learned, actually. You guys, sure, you may push back. But what, what your pushback feels like is still respect, still mm, yeah. like grounded. It's just like a firm. I actually don't think so. That's, that's what an eight pushing back feels like. Mm -hmm. And sixes have this way of lashing and swiping like viciously if they feel cornered. Mm -hmm. And it's way more viscerally unpleasant for me Mm -hmm. than an eight pushing back where that feels safe for some reason. I think it was Jim Zartman say one time that eight saves a scalpel. You know, it's very precise. You say what you need to say and you're done. Right. And I can see, not to throw my husband under the bus, but when he gets angry, it's like all over the place. I'm More like, lashing. You need to rein it in. It's emotional. Come right. on. Like, I yes. can't, I'm not, I can't meet See, you this there. is where Jim Zartman needs the tri-type, though, and he's so oh not Oh, my into gosh, it. I know. He so doesn't, yes. he's not into it. But not all of us are precise. That's what I, I'm starting to learn. I'm not mm. very precise. When I am in full reactivity, I'm, I am also... Uh, a little bit sloppier. Whereas of your four? Yes. Mm, <laughs> yes, yeah. ma'am. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And the seven energy is forward, forward, forward. So I've got the eight and seven just going, say it, do it. And <laughs> the four is just like pure running on emotion. So it's not precise. Whereas eights with five are about as precise as one can possibly be. Oh, my gosh. I so there's imagine. a really yeah. like wide scale of how precise we can be. But mm-hmm. the thing that is the same is the fact that I will welcome a back and forth in a like really grounded way. You can go ahead and push back. Yeah. Whereas a uh, six, it's like, I will stab you, stab you, stab you. So you go away. <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's the opposite of what conflict is about. Yes. You know, conflict is... I, I try to explain this all the time to those who are close to me. I have two sisters. One's a four, one's a two. And we're very close, but we're yeah. so different. Mm-hmm. And my two sister does not understand how I see conflict as a way to bring, you know, to bring us closer. Yes. She just is so anti-conflict that, it's, right. you know, but we've learned over the years that there's got to be, like, I've got to be a little less confrontational. Right. And meet her where she is too. So my eight, so I learned that I have been throughout my life judging God for the way that he has let things play out. Mm, yeah. So I had, I have to go back. It showed me that my weakness truly is strength. And that's so, so hard for me to get at my core. Mm-hmm. And it showed me that when I am feeling 
anger. Like, you know, that's just my knee-jerk reaction, anger. And it showed me I am just now within the last year maybe learning to say, and I I think I want to throw up just even thinking about saying this, but that that hurt my feelings. You know what I mean? That sounds so icky. Yes, like I want to throw up just true, saying that true. right now. I, know. <laughs> I want to hide under um, a rock right now. <laughs> yes. If we had like top 10 sentences that make us want to puke, that's definitely oh one of them. Gosh, I'm feeling like ugh, right now, icky. Yeah. Like, can we take that out? Can you uh-huh. it? But, uh, <laughs> but I'm learning and I only say that to like my husband and my sisters, maybe, you know, yeah. and it's very hard for me to get those words out. My seven means that I won't say it. I make a joke. So (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of how I came to really um, being okay in my eightness and seeing that my growth path in that. So I'm very big on um, not just staying in that, right? Like not just sitting in my eightness and being like, yay, I'm awesome. I've got, you know, these superpowers, but like how, how can I grow out of these coping mechanisms that I have built up for my whole life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where I am now. Okay. And then the tri-type, like how long ago did you figure that one out? Just when we started this or? Um, it was probably a little bit before that. I actually got my um, Enneagram certification a year and a half ago. They and- covered tri-type? That surprises me. So they do a little bit and they introduce it as some people, you know, like to dig deeper into this. Well, I liked it. And then I know y'all talked about it on your podcast a lot. So yeah, that's where I kind of, yeah, well, it it started helping me make sense of these other areas where I was seeing three and six pop up. So, you know, it started helping me really like rationalize that, you know, because we all have all nine types. We just lead more with certain types. That's right. I'm um, definitely the Jerome Lubba camp, which is that we're like accessing different parts of the brain. Absolutely. And that means that they're all there. You're just pulling from certain ones more. Yeah. And so I, I don't know if this is an actual theory out there. Maybe you know, but like, yeah. so I see my social instinct coming out in my eight and then I see my self-pres coming out in my three and my sexual coming out in my six. Ooh, I am going to think about that so much. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I've never heard that before, but I am definitely going to mold that. Um, Unpack that a little. Okay, so I, reading about all the subtypes, so my husband is a sexual three. He will put his accomplishments, like, out there. He wants everybody to see him. But he does it in a way he thinks that it's normal. <laughs> you know, it's right. not like he's bragging. He's just like, yeah, I did this. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. And for me, that's so cringy because I want to have a good image without like looking like I care about having a good image. Right. If that makes sense. Yes. And then my six comes out in the counterphobic way, which is the sexual, like the the debating side of it. Like I want to be around an energy that matches me and like will dive deep into these hard subjects with me and and not be not back off that's interesting because Catherine Fravre I just watched a video on this tri-type just to get fresh before I interviewed you guys mm-hmm. and she said um the six in this counter in this tri-type is always counterphobic oh I 100% believe that because the eight is counterphobic energy already yep yeah. But sometimes the tri-type numbers balance you by pulling you the mm-hmm. other way um, but six is not that for you for you, the three is doing that. 
Yes, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. the six is amplifying certain things for you. This The three is making me the softer side yeah, of the eight. That's and right. the social, and the social. That's mm-hmm. precisely right, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that that's two of you, two of the three that have the social first, and it's really helping make sense of the, the softness. Because this tri-type gets a rough rap. Oh, it does. I was reading about it the other day, actually, and it was saying how it's the most confrontational, like, tri-type of the eight and all this stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I am confrontational, and I (laughs) actually get a little bit of a high off of it. (laughs) Yep, you're not the first to say so. (laughs) Right, exactly. But I mean, let's just be honest, there's something, like, about it. And I put it this way. I tell everybody, if they're asking me what a social eight means, I'm like, well, I love being a part of something bigger. So, my husband and I were really into college football. We mm. love it. Okay. And I think it's a practice for me to not be in control and like care about something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good exercise for me. But anyway, so we're very into it. But we also, we're big Georgia fans and we live in Florida. And so I love being the, the brat minority. Yes, <laughs> I love it. So I love being a part of something bigger, but not where everybody's doing it. <laughs> So wait, oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Do you relate to the justice fighter or debater more? Mm, I like to debate for justice. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so both. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, the other girls all said justice fighter and then went on to explain basically how excellent they are at debating. I'm like, okay. I'm so good at it. I am so good at it. I am so good. My husband gets frustrated. He's like, you know that you're already two steps ahead of me in your brain. Why? (laughs) Why do you do this? Let me catch up. (laughs) Yes. No, you're considered to be quite verbally adept is, is how they would put it. My hypothesis has been confirmed that it's not that you're technically winning the argument. It's that you're force that you're putting behind it is so overwhelming that everybody backs down oh it's overwhelming like a machine gun i know how to manipulate it into a way where i (laughs) i sound right that's right so yes whereas the eight with fives actually are bringing data that they've gathered while they went away and thought about it you guys in the moment are just oh yeah oh yeah I mean, I'll go look that up later and make sure I was right. That's right. <laughs> and you'll never moment. tell if you weren't. <laughs> oh, my gosh, no. I'll find something that backs me up. <laughs> you'll find a way to justify it. <laughs> so how does that work with your husband and you? I'm curious. Okay. That's a good question. So he actually, um, he just went on staff at our church a year and a half ago. And they, they're very big on testing for spiritual gifts and Enneagram and all the personality tests. And so he tested as a seven and then he was reading through it and he was like, this is just not lining up. And I, as um, discerning as I think that I am, <laughs> I thought he was a seven for the right. longest time. And then he's reading the description. He's like, no, this is not adding up. Come to find out he's actually a three, but he's the baby of four. Mm. And so for him, the, his threeness came out as being the life of the party, the funny guy, like, He's always there with a joke or like a one-liner, quick-witted. Like, that's just him. And he's always up for an adventure. Very like, let's yeah, let's go. Let's do it. Whatever. Down for anything. So that I just thought that, you know, he was a seven. Well, he reading me the descriptions and he's like, the three is really resonating with me. And that so many things started clicking in our marriage of, oh, that makes sense why this happens or why that happens or, you know, and so... On one hand, it's awesome because he and I are both doers and we're very adventurous. Obviously, like we have five kids and 
Um, it doesn't really drain us, you know. I mean, it, yeah. it can, but it's it's fun. We love it. We love the chaos. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, um, we both don't stop, and so we started listening to this podcast. Um, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called Bema, B E M A. I highly recommend it. He goes through all of Genesis and shows what the Eastern teaching actually meant. And That's we important. read in our Western yes, world. Yes. It's, it's mind-blowing. I just it's wrote an essay on that because <sighs> where I've been most hurt by the church is our church in the West is using Greek thought. And Greek thought is linear and logical. Oh, you would and love this podcast. Yes, yes. And I'm a prophet. So I was, as a little kid, I was seeing pictures and in my head and, and I was like seeing patterns and I was, everything was moving color and I could hear him speaking. And there was no framework for that at all. And in Eastern thinking, um, everything is color and dynamism and the living voice of God. And so I have been writing an essay on what that's done. Oh, I would love to read that. And and growing up, my, my parents are not into the Enneagram, but I think my mom is a one and my dad is a five. Mm. So very factual yes. childhood. If that meant no feelings, facts. So anyway, this this podcast has really kind of just rocked our world and it talks about in like in genesis it's all about rest and there's chiasms that all point to rest Mm -hmm. and we were convicted that we don't rest very well and so we decided to start doing shabbat from sundown on friday to sundown on saturday but yeah we ordered takeout and we just do what fills our souls for that 24 hours with our family or it's one of the the messages that i've been hearing him speak over the the church he's going back to the basics back to the basics you need to come back to my original pattern and my original design and his original design was a cycle of rest it's so beautiful because yeah just anchors you with who you are in him yes and so like even our kids say, like we say, what do we do on Shabbat? They say, we rest, we play, no work, God loves us. Mm-hmm. That's all we do. Like there's mm-hmm. no like guidelines, like we have to do this or that Bible study. Like That'd if, be legalism. <laughs> exactly. Which is so hard to break out of, you know? Yes. And it's, it's just, um, it's been beautiful for our marriage and for our family to actually take that time and not view it as selfish or wasteful. But it's actually resting to start the next week, you know, to go do what we are called to do and step into who we're called to be. Mm. And we both feel more anchored in that when we take that time. Yeah, for a three and an eight, that might be one of the most important things you guys have absolutely discovered yet um the next thing though is that neither of you can tap into your emotions easily so how does that play out (laughs) so actually i will say my husband does more than i do i'm pretty sure he's a wing two and okay he is much more empathetic than i am and so he is very good about oh i say he's he can tap into his emotions he can tap into his happy like grateful like he'll tear up talking about anything happy but when it goes to the painful side of things he goes straight logical and we can both go logical in that 
and we get stuck in these it, it's just these ruts we get in of of just all logic and not meeting feeling with feeling even if right. we don't know we're feeling you know like anytime yeah. there's some kind of conflict someone's hurt about something and we don't it, it's it's hard to get there mm-hmm. we're, we're learning how to verbalize that hurt and like sit in it and feel in it because part of the inner healing going back to that is learning how to process emotions painful emotions mm-hmm. that I've never been taught in all my years how to process until now and it's been hard and it's been messy and you know there are certain things like just little things here and there like my husband always says like he's gotten to a point now where he can but before he didn't trust me with bad news so mm-hmm. like I would react in a certain way and so then I would see him as being deceitful even though he didn't lie he just didn't sure. hold truth you know yeah. those certain things that we had to figure out but that's where the Enneagram has been so helpful for me to understand where he's coming from and he's so good about you know just checking and he knows all the eightness and what that means and so he can really meet me on that level yeah he always says I love your eightness until it's directed at me (laughs) (laughs) hey he's not acknowledging the awesome eightness that you want directed at you right yeah exactly you know he says he doesn't know what he's talking about I don't exactly yeah (laughs) uh that goes two ways you know Um, exactly how about you just like pick apart the six versus the three for a minute and just be really clear on, you know, how the six affects your eight and how the three affects your eight. Yeah. So I would say the three affects it in that I, you know, I was really thinking about this. Um, I think that when I'm image conscious, I can go there and I think about it for a minute and I'm like, why do I care? It's because I don't want to come across as weak. It's not necessarily that I want to be awesome or I want to be the best. It's that I don't want to be seen as weak or an idiot or, you know, anything like, I don't know, just someone who doesn't have a backbone. That that grosses me out. So I that's where my image conscious comes in. Um, well, you heard Amanda say it too. Like when she goes to Italy, she researched the trendy Italy. Yes. And it wasn't because she was worried about what they'd think of her. It's that she was going to be the best Italian. <laughs> you know, That's like hilarious. Yeah. 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 So um, there is a sense where it does play into the um, wanting to uh, not be the best. That's too strongly worded. But excellence that the three wants quality. Like, Yeah. I'm trying to think if I'm mirroring, if I find myself like doing that, I really shake out of it pretty quickly. And okay. Like, like, I'm just like, I can't, I hate it. Yeah. But I do, I can fall into that. And I think it comes from a place of, I don't want to make people feel uncomfortable unless I feel like they deserve to feel uncomfortable. Sure, sure. <laughs> yes, yes. So I want to make people, I want to meet them where they are. I, I don't want someone to feel like an idiot if they're like, you know, going on and on and on about something. So maybe I will like kind of fake it and just sit there and, you know, listen or whatever and act like I'm interested. Yes. <laughs> but it's because I I do truly want to meet people where they are at my heart right. of hearts. And so I don't want them to feel like an idiot. The only time I want people to feel like an idiot is if they're being an idiot, <laughs> which is not what you're supposed to say either. But that's, <laughs> you know, it yeah. is what it is. Yes, indeed. How about the six? Okay, so the six... I can find myself um, thinking in worst case scenarios at times. Mm -hmm. It's not the forefront of my brain. So 
I have a friend who is very, very sick and she she knows it and she like will lie awake at night just playing all these instances or researching <laughs> things. And and I don't resonate with that because if I have any sort of like anxiety or anything that comes across like that, I immediately, I guess I like kind of pep talk myself to like, uh-huh. that's not that big a deal. You yes. know, I, I yes. just talk myself down from whatever it is. Yeah. Or I just choose not to dwell on it. So I can see that coming in. But I also see it coming in as I have an issue with authority. I know that eights can too. Um, and eights a lot of times want to be an authority. And it's not necessarily that I have to be an authority. If I trust my authority, that's great. So like, for instance, I've been, you know, at churches where I didn't trust the leadership, the elders and the pastors, and especially like serving in a church, you see a lot of, you know, behind the scenes. And now that my husband is on staff at our church, he sees behind the scenes a lot. That is something that's an, that's important to me. If I'm going to be a part of something, then I want to know the leadership. They have integrity. You know how I mentioned that some of the types amplify other types. Mm-hmm. The six amplifies the eight need for loyalty and trust. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that makes sense. Like I said, I, I have an issue with authority. And so I have seen myself, especially in the last couple of years, when there's so many voices coming at you with like, this is truth and this is truth, this is truth. Yeah. Yep. And I've seen like I had attached myself or like trusted certain sources and then something came back and that wasn't true. Yeah. So I've recently been like, I don't trust any of y'all. Like, I, know. <laughs> I don't trust anybody. <laughs> Even I'm getting cynical. <laughs> yeah. and, and that is not my nature. So. Oh, it's definitely mine. Your reactivity. <laughs> You're <Ooh>. double assertive, <laughs> double reactive. I'm um, very reactive. Yeah. Yes. So how does that play out? And what have you uh, learned about? I you know? hate it. Yeah. I hate it and I love it. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Because it is, you know, it is how God made me in in a certain way. Like there are certain times it's good to be reactive because that means when I see some sort of injustice, I can like I my heart aches truly and mm-hmm. I react immediately. Yeah. And um or even with my kids and my protective instincts, I love um, you know, like one time one of my kids was running out in the road and this lady sped up trying to prove a point that my kids shouldn't be playing in the road. On oh, that's not okay. Street. And I, oh, my neighbor almost had to pull me out of her window. <laughs> Ooh, she was like, get your kids out of the street. And I said, so you're going to try to kill one of my kids to prove your point. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, I almost, <laughs> not okay. I was in her window. <laughs> Feeling that one. Oh. Feeling that so one. there's certain times that I do love it. it can be fun and you know, competitiveness and anything like that. But there are also times when I do just say the thing that is hurtful and that I wish I could take back and I can't. Or I make an assumption that it was way off base and I can't get that back. And so take a breath, take a breath and pray through it before saying the thing. (laughs) And that's something where it's hard. It's it's not in me to take a breath. (laughs) (laughs) No, reactivity is full body. So it's it's so hard. It's so hard. Yeah, Indeed. How would you say your female friendships have made it through? (laughs) Yeah. So I'm my only female friendships that I'm really close to now are adult friendships. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had really good friends in high school, but it was, I was more, and I know this is very like 
cliche, but my closest friends were guys. My best friend, his dad, always told me that I needed to be an attorney because of my debating skills. Sure. (laughs) And they could handle it better. You know, it wasn't like feelings were all intertwined in that. No, it's more like a sport. I appreciated that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the older I've gotten, the more I've seen, and even in college, I was mostly, it was mostly guys, which, mm-hmm. you know, and, and guys take that the wrong way. If you're, sure, I know. And I so know. it just made a lot of like messy friendships yeah. both ways. And now that, you know, I'm in my mid thirties, I guess almost late thirties, that's weird. Um, <laughs> I've learned the value of my friendships with other females and I, I don't think I let myself get vulnerable with the ones when I was younger. And now I'm learning that at a different level. And there's a group of friends, like I said, my sisters, my husband, and then there's a group of friends that we had when we lived in Georgia. And we were with them a couple weekends ago. And I told my husband, I was like, I just feel like I can exhale with them and they love me and they know me. They'll call me higher if they need to, but they also, I can just be. And did you get there through a process of letting bombs drop with your reactivity and they Uh, just, they still loved you. (laughs) They still loved me. And you know, not only that, but it was also like I had to get over myself in some of these where I just had to show up and keep showing up when I didn't feel like it or where I had to not assume the worst about people and assume the best. Yeah. Um, and, and those all take maturity, you know, yeah. and, and that kids don't have when they're, you know, growing up and, you know, a friend asks me a question and I give her my honest truth and she cries and tells mm. her mom that I'm a jerk. Those are all learned over time. And like I said, they expect that from me. <laughs> they expect the truth and they love that. Not only do That's they expect right. it, they actually see the value in that in me. And so that has been, um, it's just been a gift. Oh, good. I'm, I'm glad to hear though you have a, a core group of safe yes. people. With your three, do you find that in spite of the cycles of like her and pulling back together, you do feel a sense of belonging? Like you don't stand outside of a group for very long before like restoring yourself back in um the four messes with me like it keeps me outside always and i wonder if the three makes that different it depends on if i feel like it's worth it in that group no say you want to okay so i want to yes i will yeah i will so and and that's another thing we have found some friends down here that has taken time to get my walls down mm-hmm. and to build those friendships and there have been times when i've you know, sensed certain things going on where I, um, I didn't like it. And I had to really fight through that mm-hmm. and say the hard things and have the hard conversations because I know on the other side what it can be. But I also know if I don't say it, it's going to hurt the friendship. And if I, if I do say it and it hurts the friendship, well, the friendship was already hurt. I'm just more comfortable in, in saying that. And then if, if it doesn't pan out, then that's okay. I'm okay, okay. with that at this stage in my life. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. Three words to describe you. Bold, fun, adventurous. Do you have like a Hallmark color? Pink. Do you relate to a fiction character? I'm not a big fiction person. (laughs) Oh, there you go. (laughs) A Bible character? 
Oh, let's go with Esther. I love her. You know, when I was growing up, we didn't do Halloween. We did fall festival. Yeah. I was Queen Esther every day in year. <laughs> what makes you cry? Seeing chains break in people when they finally see and feel and realize how much value they have and how much God loves. What is your drink of choice in the morning? Oh, coffee. How about at night? Wine or tequila. What superpower would you want? I'm already pretty good at reading minds, but (laughs) uh, (laughs) yeah, teleporting because it's more efficient. Uh, Do you have any tattoos? I don't. I'm more of a piercings girl because, you know, you can have fun with that and then change it up if you want. The process to remove a tattoo is very expensive. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How would you describe your happy place? My happy place is at the beach. And if you had to wear one outfit for the rest of your life, what would it be? Comfort. So black leggings. I love a good blazer because I feel powerful. That feels three too. It feels like kind of like a corporate. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you're an animal, what would it be? A tiger. 